Hello and welcome to the Avocado Proust podcast with Looms and Jeeves. Every week we'll talk about what's been happening in our worlds, from the basic to the not so basic. So what did we talk about this week? Everything from the new Bridgerton to the metaverse and Fenty Beauty, Uh, Rihanna's makeup line. Yes, Fenty. Oh, take all my money, Fenty. We also talk about crypto. Speaking of money (laughs) or a lack of money, I think we're going to talk about some cryptocurrency and the metaverse. I think you said that already. Yeah, um, we also talk about air traffic controllers and their mistresses. We do. We do talk about that. And women and interviewing for jobs. So quite a wide-ranging list of topics there for you to enjoy. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome. Those clipped tones that you heard in the intro belong to my dear pal Jeeves. Hi Jeeves. Hi. And this confused sort of American, maybe sometimes Yorkshire in my dreams, drawl, filling your ears is me, Looms. And this podcast is basically us bringing you all into our group chat where we talk about all sorts like tech and culture and TV and science and how our weeks have been and the world around us and everything that's going on. So Jeeves, how's your week been? Well, I've been a bit ill this week, so I have been watching a lot of television. I watched Bad Vegan, which you recommended to me. I did recommend it to you, but I didn't recommend it to you because I I liked it. I recommended it to you because, well, first of all, what did you think about it? Uh, it's incredibly stressful to watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Bad Vegan yet, it's effectively, it's like, it's sort of on the Tinder Swindler vibe. It's the story of, it's not a catfish even. It's a, like a documentary about this woman who gave a lot of money to somebody that she loved and... I was going to say hilarity ensued, it was, but it's not quite, it's not quite, it's not quite hilarious. It just, things take a really weird turn. It's that classic Netflix documentary where things don't go in the direction that you think it's going to go in. It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like things are weird and then they get weirder. Yeah. But I think it's just, it's that classic thing, I guess, similar to Tinder Swindler of like, how did she believe him? Um, and I don't want to give too much away but there's sort of an element of like mysticism in this storyline that I really couldn't relate, relate to. to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a bit different from kind of Tinder Swindler, uh, because that was all kind of in this world. <laughs> was it in this world though? Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to give too much away of, of the bad vegan if no one's seen it. Well, but. So- so, okay, here's my argument about the Tinder, Tinder swindler, right? Because I don't think that it's as clear cut as it was. And that's going to sound really controversial. I went into that. I like to think I'm quite savvy being as <laughs> persistently single as I am. <laughs> I like to think I'm quite savvy when it comes to being wooed. My likelihood yeah. of being wooed is very low at this stage. I feel like I've... <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> I feel like I've seen it all at this stage. But... With the Tinder Tinder Swindler, the part that got me was right in the first, like, 10 minutes when she meets this guy in the the bar that she's been talking to on Tinder. And he's like, oh, come on this flight with me. And she's like, oh, okay. And she shows up at the airport and there's a private jet and he's allowed on. Like, he goes on. There's like, that's real. Like, he's who he said he was in the photos. The jet is real. Like, all of that is real. Whereas with Bad Vegan... 
I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I, it just, it wasn't as clear cut for me. I guess I couldn't relate to it. Yeah. Either, necessarily. I guess so. It's sort of like a, it's, it's a slightly different angle to it. Obviously it's still like a romantic uh, situation where someone's sort of being taken, I don't even know if I want to say taken advantage is of. It, is it romantic? Uh, yeah, it, was, it sort of seemed weird, whereas I guess Tinder Swindler was quite, I, I guess what was happening was a bit clearer, um, yeah. whereas this, uh, she seemed to have some, you know, kind of strange intentions as well. So yeah, it wasn't, I agree, it wasn't as clear cut and I found her a lot less sympathetic than I did the girls on uh, Tinder Swindler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was just something about her where I just like, I don't, I really don't like to be someone who's like, uh, doesn't believe women or whatever like that. But I don't really think this is an example of, of that. <laughs> I don't want to say I, that, I, you know, I believe in believing women. I just don't believe this woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, this opens up the door to a much bigger question, which is where are these people getting this money from? Yeah, that's a good point. There are no amount of enemies that could be chasing anyone that could force me to create <laughs> money I don't have. Wh- where are these? Is it their credit scores? Is it wh- where is this money coming from? I, I think I suppose some of some of them were loans, right? And then in this one, uh, I think she she got investment, but so, yeah. so it's other people's money, really. Oh, I yeah, suppose. I guess, um, yeah. But yeah, not- well, so if you haven't seen Bad Vegan give it a give it a watch not because it's good but just because it's weird i would say yeah give it a go yeah you know if you've got a free evening yeah and i know you i know you prefaced this whole topic by saying that you were ill and that's why you watched a lot of television and also this isn't a lot of television i just want to <laughs> you don't have to be ill i watched a lot of television too but we can we can talk about that another time what, what else did you watch um I started watching the new Bridgerton. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed the first series. Uh, classic sort of like guilty pleasure television. It's not in any way intellectual or, you know, <laughs> makes no claims about that. No. But um, yeah, I started watching the second series and I think I watched about three episodes and I don't think I'm going to continue. Um, not a fan. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so... Okay, so I finished it yesterday, obviously. And, <laughs> um, I yeah, it's it was a slow a slow goer. I think I get why they did they're doing season two the way they are. Again, no spoilers, but effectively, it's just a lot less raunchy than season one. And I think if they'd come back to do season two and had been just as raunchy, it would have just been very one track. Like it wouldn't have been had much depth to it. Which, you know, I, I feel like we all watched it for the raunch. Clearly. I was going to say, no, no one watched it for the depth. No, no one asked for depth. We were here for so, the yeah, raunch. But somebody, somebody <laughs> asked for depth. Clearly, uh, I, I don't. Why are they doing season two this way? You know. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine who who asked for depth. That is not why anyone was watching this in the first place. It's like suddenly taking itself incredibly seriously. It really is. And we're like, no, no. no. Like, <laughs> and, you know, there are times when there are entire monologues and all I'm thinking is, can you just take your top off or something? <laughs> Give me something to look at. And 
there's just all these like depth of emotions and it's not um yeah it's not quite what we signed up for i watched it till the end and i thought as a whole it was fine but (laughs) (laughs) i i won't be continuing um yeah I if I want depth, I'm not watching Bridgerton. Like it's just not fulfilling uh, its original promise. I yeah, feel. Yeah. And it made a very clear, very specific promise to begin with, and they changed tracks. But I mean, I feel like I can't criticize, you know, Shonda. Anything that comes from Shonda Land, I'm here for it. I watch everything that she makes. But season two was very different. It's a very different show to season one. On to less frivolous topic mm. i was doing a application for a volunteering kind of role this oh. uh this week and one of the questions on the application was uh what advice or what's one piece of advice you would give to a woman going to a job interview so i'd like to pose that question to you oh that's a very good question I'm obviously biased because of the coaching that I do on the side as well, where I coach not just women, surprisingly, I coach a lot of men too. Um, And obviously in our professional paths, we've been interviewed and been interviewers too. In fact, I did, I was interviewing people for a role last, about two weeks ago or so. One thing that I did notice a lot of was in the female candidates that I was interviewing, the language that was being used was very specific and very different to the male candidates I was using. And again, this is like vast generalizations, but from that experience from the set of candidates that I, that crossed my particular path, there was a lot of we talk in the female candidates. So the female candidates, Mm. I would ask a question about, you know, what's a project that you found challenging and then did in the end or something like that along those lines. And the answer would always be, well, we had this project where we did this and we made this happen and then we faced this challenge and, you know, we, we, we. And I have to be like, okay, well, what role did you play? And almost 100% of the time when I say, what role did you play? The response would be, well, we were responsible for blah, blah, blah. And for one of the candidates I was interviewing, after a lot of digging in, she revealed that she was the project leader for the project, which is insane. It's just insane to me. And it also made me wonder whether, because I am also female, I was just more tuned to that language or because Mm. I do uh, coaching on the side, I'm also really attuned to just the use of language as a whole. But if you were interviewing with somebody who was not. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Like, I don't know if I would, I've also obviously interviewed and been interviewed and I don't know if I would pick up on that no. necessarily. Uh, it's definitely something I'll keep in mind for next time. Um, but we, yeah. We I'm, all do it. I do it too. Absolutely. Yeah, same. I'm, I, I, it's interesting because I suppose I'm aware of it as a concept. But uh, I think when you come to your day to day, sometimes you forget about those things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of uh, kind of classic like female behaviors like that yeah like you don't want to take credit for stuff and um yeah it's sort of like uh you want to appear to be like a team player uh and all those kind of things and actually 
uh, men don't do that and yeah. they're pretty happy to say oh, I did this even when they didn't even do when it. they didn't exactly <laughs> exactly because you know I've had candidates in the past where they'll take credit for something and then with follow-up question they won't be able to they can't answer follow-up questions because they didn't actually do the thing that they said they did but when they said it at first the level of they said it with their whole chest the level <laughs> of confidence was came from a really the deepest part of their chest but it, you know I, I wonder too is it is it because is there a part of that that's when we're we're being we are encouraged to talk about ourselves in that way because you have to stay humble, humble. yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah it, it, i think it's this classic thing of like as a woman you don't want to appear um t- yeah like full of yourself or like yeah like it, you don't know your place (laughs) yeah exactly it does but I think we're just yeah we are so conditioned to behave like that and it feels uncomfortable to say I did this Mm -hmm. and um I don't know almost like vouch for yourself um but yeah that's a good very good answer yeah what what advice would you give I struggle with this question actually because I I sort of debated whether to say something similar to that in terms of like language and make sure you're not saying stuff like just mm-hmm. um and I don't know you're uh, I guess like confident about uh what value you're going to bring but then I I think I have I was sort of thinking of some more like general interview advice and there's stuff like I don't know just make really basic stuff like make sure you're prepared and you've done research on the company and uh I think for this particular maybe volunteering position um I was trying to figure out like what's what is the more relevant advice here and I think it's more for people who maybe don't know how to interview or or stuff like that and I think that is one thing that is just uh like incredibly basic that you need to do but some people don't do it um so it's sort of like have uh you know yeah make sure you've done your research have like smart questions about the company that aren't on their website kind of thing um so you're kind of showing interest but obviously that's not uh woman specific but I think that's just a generally good interviewing tip um so yeah I kind of went for a double answer there (laughs) well what's interesting is the I think I sent this to you earlier the story that came out of New Zealand (laughs) <laughs> uh, about yes. about the, the air traffic <laughs> controller i'm gonna read i'm gonna read you guys this story because it is so indicative of you know we sit here and we're talking about the ways in which you can show up at interviews and what you should and shouldn't say meanwhile in other parts of the world <laughs> we have men who are taking all kinds of liberties so i'm gonna read this story because i think it's gonna <laughs> bring back the perspective so this story, I read this story in, uh, it was an edition of uh, a weekly newsletter that I subscribed to called Pop Bitch. Pop Bitch has been around since, I think since the 80s. It's one of the original original gossip mags and they, they wrote this in the newsletter, this story. So a bright spot in an otherwise bleak news cycle comes from New Zealand where an air traffic controller who was stripped of his license in 2019 has just had it reinstated after a judge has weighed up the particulars of his case. The man originally lost it after he was alleged to have been shagging his mistress, handcuffed, <laughs> to his office chair while continuing to give instructions to pilots bringing their planes in to land. However, the judge has since ruled that while the man was inarguably having sex on duty in the control tower, 
there wasn't sufficient evidence to prove he was handcuffed to his chair at the time while he was having sex with the mistress. <laughs> In the judge's opinion, the rumpo... <laughs> rumpo... <laughs> In the judge's opinion, the rumpo alone is not enough of an impediment to successfully control air traffic and therefore shouldn't warrant him losing his license. So the shaggers back in business. And I just, I felt this story so deep in my heart because as women, and both of us being women of color, we are so conditioned and to be so mindful of how we show up every single day, mm. how we represent ourselves how do we go into the workplace how do we make sure that we're prepared to be excellent at all times meanwhile <laughs> the mandem which <laughs> <laughs> just taking all kinds of liberties yeah. so my message to everyone all, all the women out there please start taking liberties because they're all, they all know something that we don't, clearly. And they're getting away with all sorts. This idea that you have to be excellent to be successful is a myth. Yeah. I mean, it is just mad. Like, who are these judges that are deeming things okay? Like, I often see stories that are like, I don't know, this level of outrageous. And you're like, wh whether it's sort of, this is, this is kind of funny. Also not funny, because, you know, he's an air traffic controller there's lots of passengers in these planes like actually quite serious when you get over the comical story um but like i don't know that people are always going to do bad or stupid things the whole point of having a justice system is that they shouldn't be able to get away with it and yet this like judge has been like no it's fine like, well, that is what makes me, like, it doesn't actually make me mad that people are doing it because, I don't know, humans are stupid. <laughs> but the fact that our systems allow it to happen is what makes me furious. Like, re like this. I know this is a silly story, but there's so many other examples where you have these, I mean, uh, I'm going to make a big generalisation here, but I don't think it's a generalisation because it's probably true white male judges who yeah. are above the age of 50 uh making these like important calls i don't know it's just like really <laughs> it's for me it's the assumption that that was made about this man's ability to continue to make good decisions he was given the benefit of the doubt to the mm. point where even though he was actually engaged, engaged in a sexual activity at the time <laughs> Because the judge could relate to him in some yeah. way, shape, or form, the judge did not think that. It just, I think it's just this whole idea of, of, of what men think that they're capable of because of mm -hmm. what they've been told throughout society, throughout time, which is, you know, you are the stronger sex, so you are capable of way more than everybody else, and so when you have that mentality. You can do stuff like this. You can recognize that in other people and say, oh, well, you're like me, so you probably are fine. Yeah. Just the whole, the notion of it. And it must be allowed in law because if it wasn't, the judge wouldn't have ruled that way. But when you're applying the law, there's an element of, you know. Oh, I guess there's there's like a judgment area of it, right? Yeah. Um, it's not necessary. I, I obviously am not a lawyer, but... Um, it's clearly not always black and white. And yeah. the whole point of having a 
judge, I suppose, is to navigate these kind of grey areas in a ethical, fair way, which yeah. they're not really doing. If you're basing the entirety of your judgment on the fact that actually oh, he's a he's a white man, so he must be capable. Yeah. A, a woman would be unlikely to... No. She, she would 100% be in prison if yeah. this happened, if she I was feel do- like. If she was painting her nails at her desk heaven forbid you know (laughs) then it'd be okay well she's impaired but it's like well this man wasn't physically handcuffed while he was shagging his mistress so there's nothing to say that he couldn't have done his job it's just the the the, what's the 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 allowances that are given to some people that aren't extended to others yeah is wild i also just thoroughly enjoyed I mean, that, the way that story was written, I <laughs> shared it far and wide, and I'm happy that I get to share it with everybody now. It is a funny story. Yeah. Well, I mean, a less funny story that I saw this week was about um, the BBC talked about how microplastics were being found in humans for the first time. So microplastic pollution was detected in human blood for the first time, and the scientists found the tiny particles in about 80% of the people that they tested, which means it's in all of us now, pretty much. Yeah, so is that basically because we use so much plastic and um, it's sort of getting into our bloodstream, Yeah, basically. it's all the plastic waste that's been dumped in the environment, the microplastics that are in pretty much everything. Mm. Everything that we make, everything we make, all our, I think there's microplastics in our, the products that we use for cleaning yeah. and like soaps and things like that. It, it's everywhere. So couple that with all the air pollution as well. It feels like a ticking time bomb of some sort. Yeah, it's a weird one because I, I mean, I haven't actually read the story. I think I saw the headline, but I don't, uh, maybe this is a stupid question, but like, why is it bad for us to have microplastics they, in our blood? That's the thing. They don't know if it's bad or not. It, it sounds bad. It sounds bad. That's what it is. But it's, it sounds bad, but there's... We don't know what's... What, impact it's causing i know we don't know what the long-term effects of that impact are but it's mm. something it's something that's like a, a new discovery that it actually does become a part of who we are and it's only going to be future generations that will understand <laughs> but for us we just get to look at the headline and go well they haven't found anything bad yet <laughs> so it's probably fine yeah it's a weird one so I f- the only uh i'm not even going to say data point because I haven't researched this fully or anything, but um, I remember talking to someone about uh, like fertility and infertility. And I think one of the things that is suggested to people who might be having trouble getting pregnant is not using plastics. Um, So I wonder if that's a potential impact. Not I don't want to make any claims Mm. of that sort whatsoever because I have no idea. But like uh, I'm trying to think other other bad like yeah, i feel like they, plastics associated with being like with infertility carcinogen as yeah, well absolutely um, like in um like pvc windows in uh, flooring certain types of uh, laminate flooring as well apparently release they all release chemicals that can affect fertility oh, but really uh, yeah so it's it's some it's i don't know that you can do anything about it short of going to live in the woods but even then <laughs> you probably still have your phone which i'm sure is doing something <laughs> but we're not scientists so please you know yeah exactly uh, this is all just chat <laughs> well 
it's interesting you mentioned about the uh the headline that you that you just saw the headline and kind of didn't really have time to go into the story that i've been thinking a lot about this and actually um i found this study that um i haven't I haven't told you about this <laughs> but i found this story that came out uh on the 15th when is that about two weeks ago uh by yuga of america and because i was thinking about this because if you were to just assess the state of the world just looking at the headlines, you would have a very specific worldview, especially depending on the headlines from the publications and the places where you choose to get your news. And so this article basically looks at, um, it was measuring people's perceptions versus what the actual was. So I'm going to ask you okay. some questions about um, the, some questions about, how you perceive, like, um, how how many of this type of person do you think that exists, like percentage of the population that exists in, uh, in America, based just on the headlines, because you don't really read the news that often, or you're trying not to. Yeah, I actively avoid it, to be honest. <laughs> but just based on kind of the sentiment that you have, and then I'll tell you what the actual percentage of the people are. Okay, All right? sounds good. Okay, so, and you can play along at home as well, <laughs> wherever you're wherever you consume your podcast. Uh, okay, what percentage, so they asked Americans, what um, percentage of the population do they think uh, are Muslim? In the US? In the US, yeah. Uh, 10% maybe? Oh, interesting. So Americans estimated that there were 27% of the population was Muslim. The actual proportion is 1%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what percentage of the American population is transgender? Uh, I'd say less than Muslim, so like 0.5%. What do you think Americans said? Uh, I reckon they said like 15, like something quite high. Americans said 21% wow, was transgender. Yeah. Actual percentage, 1%. Oh, interesting. 1% okay. of the American population is transgender. Um, what about gay or lesbian? Uh, what do you think Americans said? I think they probably said like, yeah, 25%. Mm. My guess would probably be 2%. 3%. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be more spot on. Yeah. Um, what about what percentage are black? Uh, oh, I think it's probably like uh, lower. I think it's lower than you might think it is. I'm going to go with 15%. What do you think Americans said? Uh, like 40%. Yeah, <laughs> spot yeah. on. It's 12% is the actual. Americans thought that 41% of of them are um, are black. And it's the same, similar for Hispanic as well. So 39, the Americans thought that 39% of the population was Hispanic, but it's actually only 17%. And so if you look at the headlines as often as I do, then... <laughs> You you would honestly like it doesn't it's unsurprising to to th to see that the American population seems to think that a quarter of the population is transgender because that's yeah. all the politicians seem to talk about but it's really one percent and same with um you know it's it's actually pretty similar where they got it right was um uh household incomes over a hundred a hundred grand uh five percent. 38% what? is the estimate, estimate, and actual is 34%. Over 100 grand? That earn over $100,000 a year. Oh, I guess household. Yeah, household. household. makes more sense. Yeah. I was thinking, like, yeah. individual people who earn over 100 grand. Yeah. It's, uh, uh yeah. So I, 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 yeah. Found it, I found it really, really fascinating because um, it's 
again, it's just the power of the headline. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, here's an interesting one. What percentage of the American population is Asian? And, you know, Americans use the term Asian to talk about the entire continent of con- Asia. Yeah, the entire <laughs> continent of Asia, as opposed to like, you know. Uh, so what is it? Actually, I'm just trying to remember what the percentages of the what, other ones what, were. What do you, no, stop using logic. <laughs> what, what do, so what do I think outrage. Yeah. Americans yeah. would think it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like 30%. Oh, I lost it. Oh, here. Yeah, American side was 30%. What do you think it is? Um, like 5%. Yeah, 6%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, oh, and then final one. What percentage of the American population have a household income of more than a million dollars? Trying to think. What did I say before? I think I I vastly got the previous one wrong. Over a million must be like 3% or something. Over a million. And then what do you think Americans said? Uh, Like, I imagine 10% maybe? It's less than 1% is the true number. Oh, right, yeah. Americans estimated 20%. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really fascinating uh, that how much focus is going to... It, it just helps put everything back into perspective and scale because mm. if you just read the news and just read the headlines, you would think that you're living in a very different America from what the numbers actually say. Yeah, that's so true, actually. And it it gives a good perspective in terms of if people are getting wound up about immigrants or transgender or gay people or whatever. And actually, I, I wonder if they knew that it was such a small segment of the population, they'd be less hateful. Maybe maybe that's yeah. an optimistic thought. Yeah. But um, I imagine that, you know, people are afraid of change and things that are different. And maybe if they realised it wasn't that different. I don't know. It would be better. Yeah, it's well. It's it's the it's the edge cases that sell, mm. right? It's the edge cases that cause the um, that bring attention, which also then brings advertising dollars. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's the stuff. That's the stuff that really sells. Clickbait. Right. A, an article about how nice the world is isn't going to sell as much as an article about people coming to steal your way of life, even though <laughs> those people are less than five percent of the entire population but yeah i thought that was interesting this week so those 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 have been my highlights um and also of course watching a lot of television as i said before i have multiple jobs and i still manage to watch a lot of tv and so (laughs) jim's looking at me like where is this going basically i want to put i want to put a um a regular feature in the podcast where i talk about what i've been watching that week and then i can give recommendations as well because i'm doing all this binge watching so everybody might as well benefit from it some of what we're watching also can spark really interesting questions too so which you know we can have some really good chats about it but this week this is what i've been watching i mean i say this week i couldn't remember everything i'd seen this week and so these are the things that i could remember that i've seen recently i should say but starting from next week i'll start actually making a note of what i'm actually watching and what's coming as well what have i watched uh i've watched on netflix i watched um a documentary on hitler's hidden sex life which was um (laughs) okay (laughs) i don't know why i watched that uh i think it was more from a i wasn't sure where they were gonna what direction they were gonna go in with that and 
you know, spoiler alert, it's as dark and twisted and messed up as you would imagine that it is. I don't know why I was surprised by it. it everything is covered in there. There's, I, I won't, I won't go into further detail because <laughs> I don't want us to be rated a certain way, but uh, would I recommend it? No, I don't think there was anything. It didn't add value. It wouldn't, have, it won't add value to you unless you're into that sort of his history Darkness. okay i was gonna say does it i assume it explains a lot about uh why he's so evil perhaps or, uh, I, or think, I don't know if it explains is the right word yeah but. it comes i can't believe we're talking about hitler the way that the documentary is positioned is it comes from a place of if we can understand the worst parts of our society on a deep intimate level then perhaps we can better spot them when they come back because history repeats itself. Yeah. And what they found, what was actually interesting in that what they found was that uh, Hitler had a lot in common in terms of upbringing with some of the more recent serial killers that society has encountered. Oh, really? So, you know, it's broken homes, um, troubled fathers, uh lack of discipline at home lots of alcohol and drugs and just all manner of stuff and towards the for most of his adult life Hitler was actually addicted to a lot of opioids so I think he he was on I didn't know that yeah yeah he was on a lot of opioids his um he when he went into the bunker he took his uh, doctor with him as well and when they examined his remains they found like you know decades later they could find traces of something like 89 different medications and because he was born with a deformity he was born with a physical defect of some sort like and I think it was degenerative which he hid for most of his life so he spent most of his life in pain but also on on a lot of opioids so yeah and he was beaten at home like all of these themes that you see with modern day serial killers they it's all the same thing so that was an interesting it's an interesting discovery. A lot of people would not appreciate that discovery. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a history lesson today, so I've enjoyed that actually. Well, yeah. I mean, it's always it's always good to keep an eye on the past so we can see that. But you would think that with everything that society knows about how to breed a serial killer, we would do something to rebalance the economic and home issues that Good we already point. know breed a very specific type of person who's has a propensity to be evil. Yeah. So yeah, that's that nature versus nurture. So yeah, it's an interesting take on that, but obviously there's no excusing. He, they don't excuse his behavior of anything. It just validates the monster that he was. Um, what else have I been watching? <laughs> People just do nothing. The movie just got released on the sky cinema on now TV and it is um, exquisite. The lads go off to Japan and because their song goes viral out there. And of course, hilarity ensues. It is a an exquisitely awkward watch and I loved it. So if you love the TV show. <laughs> I did. I, lo- I really liked it. I haven't seen all of it, but I just, I'll give it a go. I don't understand how you haven't seen all of it. How you can just like, what? it's like, it's the way you don't understand how I, how I can like take a bite of a brownie and not finish it. <laughs> and will be like oh yeah I've eaten a quarter of the brownie yeah. I'll save the rest for later and I'm like what <laughs> I've eaten three <laughs> yeah well it's you know it's our differences that bring us together exactly 
all of those shows. That's not what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> the show that I wanted to talk about today was it's a show called Upload, which is on Amazon Prime. I think I'm giving a shout out to every single platform that exists today. <laughs> if anyone feels like they want to sponsor us, you know, we are we're open. <laughs> we are. We're accepting sponsorships. Um, so, yeah, there's a show called Upload on Prime, Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video. And it's written by the same people who wrote The Office and Parks and Rec, and which both of which are brilliant, brilliant shows that I really enjoyed. And it's basically it's it's a, sh- it's a show that's set it's set in a future where people can essentially upload their consciousness into virtual afterlives, and then they get to live on as digital avatars, where it's it's your whole consciousness, it's it's you. But you're in this virtual world. And so in real life, outside the virtual world, you have assistants who they call angels. And these guys are the ones who make sure your code's up to scratch. They can appear in avatar form with you to like, you know, I don't know, bring you food or be a butler or whatever. And yeah, it's <laughs> the premise of itself. It's like wild. Well, yeah, I, I guess it's wild and not wild. So I have actually watch all of this Love it. Um, Love it. and I guess it's very sort of on trend with like the metaverse that is so popular right mm. now so yeah I for me yeah it wasn't it wasn't that wild I thought it was actually quite a good depiction of something that could conceivably happen in future like I think humans are kind of obsessed with like anti-aging and immortality so this feels like a very obvious direction that we will attempt to go down yeah that's what i wanted to talk about today was that the immortality element of it because you know humanity has been on this quest for immortality for since the dawn of time you know all the vampire the idea of a vampire somebody who lives forever and when i watched that i was sort of like oh because i'm not not a sciencey person. I don't know much about the metaverse. Hopefully you'll be able to tell me some more about <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on the metaverse, but in my mind, the idea of living forever sounds quite appealing as long as it doesn't happen in the sort of biological forms we have that are set to age at a specific rate, like you know, in our human form. But if your consciousness can continue to live on in a way that feels real, mm. like what even is real? this is getting deep (laughs) well well, so here's the first question is this a version would you if you were if you could live forever would you and if living forever meant living in your human body or living virtually so like stuck in your human form as it is now or virtually in any form that you want which would you pick so I think I would pick my human form, mm. but I suppose, I, I guess it's sort of at what point do you, uh, like at what age does that happen? So, you know, ideally I'd love to pick my human form right now as opposed to maybe my human form age... Four. Ninety-five. <laughs> oh, yeah, four. Like, you know, if you, if you can pick your age, then I would choose that. But I... I'm sort of a bit conflicted about the concept of immortality. Mm. Does it basically mean that life is a bit meaningless? Because you don't really have to... Like, your choices almost stop mattering. If you make one choice 
and it goes a certain way well you know you've got the whole rest of eternity to do something else whereas like, I feel like part of the meaning of life is that you like your choices mean something and I don't know you've got a limited time so it's important to like make sure you're spending your time well or, or whatever so yeah I don't know how do you kind of think about things if you know you're immortal I feel like that might be a bit sad in a way even though it's something as humans like I understand why we aspire to yeah I I think I come at it I come at it from <laughs> I I I really like myself and <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to spend eternity if I could just you know being myself that that thought really appeals from that egotistical perspective but I'm also you know somewhat religious in a sense as a so the idea of an afterlife is already something that I was raised on and grew up on and have become very accustomed to and I guess I like the idea of immortality in virtual form interestingly okay because so the way that the show does it so upload is a hilarious show it sounds like quite a serious theme but it's actually pretty funny and the way in which they set it up in the show is yes your consciousness has been uploaded into this virtual world but you, they still have family days so you can still interact and do facetime calls and things like that with your real life family so with the people who are still around so in a sense you get to have the best of both worlds because you have the unlimited freedom oh if your finances allow for you to imagine whatever virtual world you want around you in this community of other people who live in this virtual world so you can have that but you can also continue to keep connections with the, your friends who are still i was gonna say on earth <laughs> they're all on earth but with people who are still alive in biological form and if they then pass on they can just join you in this virtual world so really these connections that you make can then live forever and for me that really appeals but it would have to come from the assumption that they have indeed captured your full consciousness and it's not an algorithm that's extrapolating your continued existence based on you know like in black mirror yeah where there's an app that will uh, process all of your social media and after you die, your relatives can use this app and like they put your, I guess they use that for software in a robot that you can <laughs> interact with in this robot. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it processes, it, it tries to gauge a sense of who you are based on like all, all your Twitter posts and your Instagram or whatever. Okay. And it then uses an algorithm to determine what you would have responded to certain things. And so that way you can still, in a sense, like interact with yourself that's interesting i feel or, like or rather others can interact with you i should say right i think I, I don't know i haven't actually seen that black mirror but that feels like the worst data source to draw from like your social media <laughs> yeah. that's not actually who you are that's a weird sort of projected image of yourself so that's not going to be you at all that you know, your relatives or whoever are communicating with. I think it's a good point 
about how your consciousness actually ends up in the computer at the end of the day it's all going to be like zeros and ones like you yeah. know that's how I don't know code works yeah. I'm not a super techie person but like you will I don't know I'm convinced you'll lose something there mm-hmm. like you're going to lose some essence of your humanity when you're translating everything to zeros and ones um, oddly, the uh, comedic television show doesn't go into a lot of detail about how <laughs> these souls are captured and what they... <laughs> no, what it's, they... A... <laughs> it's a classic television where there's like someone at a computer with a black background and green yeah, text green and text. like yeah. coding. <laughs> yeah, capturing the entire essence of your whole soul into this script that can be uploaded and then you are exactly the same person you were when you were alive um you know but so and then the the what the show also tries to tackle is obviously this this is something that's taken advantage of by very wealthy people because the more wealth you have the more data you can use like storage you can use Mm. and so the more storage you have the more wild your experience can be so effectively it's just taking society's class-based system and putting it into a virtual world where it's still determined by money because it's being controlled by people who are still alive and you know, we know capitalism runs deep in all of our veins, right along the plastics. So it's when you in that scenario, the next thing becomes how do you then actually make money from it? If you're able to, in a sense, upload your consciousness, your body dies because you are, you know, you have a disease or something. Can you then re-download? And that's what scientists are trying to crack is on the show, I should say. (laughs) None of this is real. Uh, But that's what the scientists are trying to crack is because whoever can crack the art of re-downloading these consciousnesses into clone bodies, for instance, that because everyone's ultimately trying to get away from the virtual world and come back to continue to live on Earth because on Earth, everything is real. Whereas in the virtual world, you can eat a chicken wing, but it won't taste like chicken because it's... Well, if it does, I don't, it's like there's something, the experience isn't quite right. They always say things just aren't quite right. Like, even if you're programmed to let the chicken wing taste like chicken, will it actually taste like a real life chicken wing? I feel like you you can't replicate that experience. You can't, right? Because it's all digital. So it's all, you have to program that. And so there's, there's there's a certain element of, of, there's a piece of that that's missing around what it is to be human. Yeah, I feel like you can get, you can probably get, I don't know, with computer technology, you can probably get close, but not all the way. There'll be something that's not tangible necessarily. All that to say, I feel like this opens up a much bigger question about the idea of like virtual worlds and the future of humanity and the metaverse and, and all that other fun stuff. Right. Because I feel like there's a there's a lot there, but this feels like this feels right up your street, geez. So, yeah, I work in tech, but I'm definitely not an expert in the metaverse or Web3 or anything like that. Can I just caveat this by saying we're not experts in anything? Okay, (laughs) true. So please just bear that in mind. (laughs) We're just (laughs) we're just we're just all in the group chat together trying to figure this thing out. (laughs) All right. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so as you said, I do think this show is very relevant to like current topics. Metaverse is very big at the moment. There's a lot of money going into it and everyone's talking about it. And And conflating it with other bits too, right? 
Yes, yeah. So what do, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot of terms that are being used interchangeably that I see um, that I don't think... I feel I feel like they need some clarity around them. And obviously we're not going to talk about it today, but terms like NFTs and blockchain and Web3 and crypto and metaverse, and they all seem to form part of the same conversation, but I don't really know how they all fit together. But we won't, I mean, let, if, we, if we just focus, let's just talk about the metaverse specifically today. Yeah, I think you're right. The, but at some point, can you help us? <laughs> I can try. Um, I think that you're right that they're all popular terms at the moment and it feels like they all kind of relate, but maybe people don't really understand how. I feel like it's kind of similar to how I imagine in the early days of the internet, people were talking about the internet and yeah. there's this thing, but people don't really understand what it is and can't conceptualize it necessarily and some people don't really believe it's going to be a thing or or whatever so it feels what I imagine is was similar to that so yeah we can talk about the metaverse today we can talk about the other topics another time it's all all a bit much I think to cover in this inaugural episode yeah. but uh, yeah I just want to hear your thoughts on, on the metaverse because I'm coming at it from a it's like a spiritual angle where I'm like, oh, maybe this is the way that I get to live forever. But you're coming at it from a very different angle. And I'm like, geez, what are your thoughts on the, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? <laughs> oh, this feels like a loaded question. <laughs> so I'm going to disclaimer this with, I have, like, I'm not a fan of the metaverse. And I'd welcome anyone who has very strong positive views of the metaverse to get in touch with us and email address in the show notes <laughs> thank you and let us know uh, about the positives because i have yet to hear about anything compelling that makes me want to be a part of this metaverse future <laughs> so what i'm going to talk about is all the negatives <laughs> of the metaverse <laughs> and because this is our podcast yes i'm allowed to talk about whatever i want you can so. talk about, yeah it's, <laughs> and yeah absolutely um but I, I the reason i think it's important to highlight these things is because it's been covered in the media and i guess pop culture as quite a positive future thing like Almost, you know, particularly the way Meta, Facebook, um, talks about it is it's almost like our inevitable future. And I kind of hope that's not true. But if it is, there are a lot of issues that we're going to need to sort out for it to be a good future way of living or something that is a big part of our lives. Mm. Um, So... I'm going to talk about a couple of uh, concerns that I've got about the metaverse. One is an issue that is kind of close to my heart, is kind of women's issues and women's rights. I saw an article recently about a researcher who had gone into a virtual reality space um, and essentially had been sexually assaulted there. And I think um, I've got a quote here from her. Um, Within 60 seconds of joining, I was verbally and sexually harassed. 
three to four male avatars with male voices essentially virtually gang-raped my avatar and took photos. As I tried to get away, they yelled, don't pretend you didn't love it. Yeah. I so... Mean, it it just, it's... What... <laughs> it just it's it's such a human it's such like a humanity thing that a woman went into a space a brand new space and was immediately molested there wasn't even that's uh, well so what what's even worse is the reaction to that hasn't been sort of like universally horrified there's sort of been questions about you know does that experience count as assault because it's not your physical body, it's your metaverse body. Um, and, you know, a lot of the responses were kind of very dismissive of her experience. Mm. So, you know, one of them was, don't choose a female avatar. <laughs> well, what, what do you say? So is, is the metaverse going to be 100% men then? Um, what, another just... comment, don't be stupid, it wasn't real. And you've obviously never played Fortnite. I mean, that... I've never, I've never played, played Fortnite, Fortnite, but <laughs> I'm very concerned as to what happens there. And I think I think that is just, like, really concerning that, you know, all the bad things that happen in our real world are going to happen in the metaverse as well. And we don't necessarily have laws that know how to deal with that yet. Like, I'm not a legal expert, but... You know, if you experience something as horrific as that in the metaverse, like, can, you know, what are your rights and what happens to the people that have perpetrated that? Like, do they just get away with it? I, I just don't, it doesn't feel sort of fair that that can happen. And are the are, are laws even the correct lever for us to be using to try to bring about a sense of decorum because all the flaws that come with the judicial systems here and the policing systems here, like that's true. We're yeah. just going to transfer. Are we just transferring humanity as it is straight in there? Or is this our chance to do things better? Because, you know, the, it's like the greatest, the greatest plan, the you know, plan is perfect until you introduce people into it. And, <laughs> you know. We're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, is this like, is that what we should be aiming for? Should we be aiming for more? Should, are we just trying to recreate what we're doing here, but with no consequences there? Should it be at, at what point? Where does self start and where does self end? That's a really interesting point. It's obviously related to the Uploads TV show in terms mm. of, you know, are they really real up there in this VR world? Or is it a not quite real version of them and therefore... Do they get the same rights as kind of physical humans and, and stuff like that? Um, it's quite a weird kind of grey area. Mm. There's been an interesting study, actually, that showed that young children can't necessarily distinguish between VR and real reality. Um, so that can allow, I guess, like that means some of their memories uh, a false so something that happened in vr they might remember it as the real world oh wow yeah and i think like you, you it's it's a sort of like even if this isn't if stuff isn't happening to your physical body how your kind of your brain is perceiving it i think that needs to be considered 
I mean, in reality, human recollections aren't giving that much, given that much weight in the judicial system. True. Whereas in the virtual world, your recollection is all you have. It's just the, the evidence of what actually happened. Like this opens the door to so many more philosophical questions that I just don't think that the product <laughs> designers at Facebook are equipped. No. <laughs> this feels like a bigger world conversation that we should be having, but you know, there are very few things that as a planet of people we can actually agree on it it just the idea of it feels so overwhelming to consider how you would even begin to bring people on board i'll yeah. tell you i'll tell you one person who's got it figured out figured, figured out snoop dog <laughs> snoop dog wasn't expecting that <laughs> snoop dog bought a plot of land didn't he he bought a plot of land for in the metaverse or in a metaverse i want to say um guess how much he paid for his uh nft which is basically a plot of land twenty thousand dollars seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars what that he paid and i believe he so he's basically this is a quote he said he said uh he announced it on clubhouse (laughs) I thought Clubhouse was over. Is that I, still a I, thing? I, I mean, I I thought it was still VIP only, but <laughs> apparently not. But uh, he's, there's a quote he said, he's quoted in Fortune magazine as saying, Death Row will be an NFT label. We, we will be putting out artists through the metaverse, just like we broke the industry when we first, when we was the first independent to be major, we want to be the first major in the metaverse. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what he bought, but I've seen maps that just have his face on them. And it's the the news reports it as him having bought a plot of land. And so fans are buying the land around him. And guess how much the fans are paying? (laughs) A lot more. (laughs) So there's one fan who was reported to have paid $450,000 to have the NFT space to be Snoop's neighbor in the metaverse. Oh, man. Like, it's mad. But obviously, it, there's a there's a variety of... <laughs> there are a lot of issues that need to be considered about how do we actually transition humanity into this hybrid world where, like, we have to dif- agree on what self is at yeah. first start. And I, I think we just haven't... We haven't even got the real world right yeah, yet yeah so we're, it feels like we're jumping ahead a bit getting into the virtual world and yeah i don't know i just can't imagine we're not gonna fuck it up really mm. so yeah another element in uploads is or upload <laughs> is the finance element yeah so obviously the more wealthy you are on the show the more access to cool virtual experiences you get to have so how would that how does finance play a part in the metaverse in real life so i think any sort of issues in our society as we kind of discussed are going to translate into the metaverse Mm -hmm. so financial inequality will definitely be one of those and there's a big initial issue with even accessing the metaverse Mm. so things like vr headsets and laptops and all the kind of equipment that you need to be a part of it is expensive so there'll be whole segments of the population who can't even access the metaverse and if you know in future there are important things happening there is familiarity with the metaverse going to be something that 
I guess, helps some people and holds others back. So that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. But yeah, I think one of the reasons I like the show is it highlights this inequality that is very likely to happen in real life when it comes to this virtual reality world. Um, So yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, and I've read previously about how... Obviously, it's not necessarily the same because I know crypto is not the metaverse and all that. But the idea of some sort of virtual access to a virtual resource or virtual currency, which is not owned by any one person, can actually help with like underserved communities. Because instead of having to deal with trying to convince, uh, you know, a bank manager to give you a loan to start a business you you don't there is no middleman there's no one who's like gonna stop you or use have there's no bias in cryptocurrency basically so and uh, i feel like i've saw i saw a stat somewhere that talked about how the a, a big proportion of the people who have adopted cryptocurrency tend to be from underserved communities really um we have to find that stat. we have to find it so basically oh here here it is while typical stock market so this is from coindesk.com while typical stock market investors are white men, 44% of Bitcoin and crypto investors are non-white. Really? Which is pretty big, yeah. Similarly, studies have shown that black and Latino Americans now outpace white Americans in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency investing. So there's, there's something there. There must be something there in when you take away, if you have a system that's built on oppressing a very specific part of the population and those oppressions are being... Um, reinforced by certain members of society or certain layers of society and then you take those gatekeepers away there's an opportunity there for people who are historically marginalized and currently marginalized to be able to take full advantage of that and it opens up all these financial opportunities so that, that could be a good for the metaverse. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I think a lot of our financial systems are really archaic. Like you mentioned, mortgages, you know, even now, like it's hard for freelancers to get a mortgage, stuff like that. It's, it's all designed on very old ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree that crypto could be a interesting avenue there. Yeah, I, th- I, thought, I thought it was really interesting. This was something I saw in passing where there was a financial advisor on Instagram, <laughs> but she did a reel where she talked about this and I'd never thought about it in that way before. And yeah, I just thought it was super interesting. I'll put, we'll put a link to this survey in the show notes as well so you can explore it and see. Any, any additional thoughts on the metaverse that you want to add on there? I mean, I contributed to that conversation quite a bit, I have to say, with my Snoop Dogg backs. That's a great fact. <laughs> he, he's actually quite big. I feel like he's done loads of investment in cannabis-related kind of, like, companies. Um, so, yeah, he's actually more than just a rapper. Yeah, he's an entrepreneur. He's a yeah. mogul, if you will. But also, music music doesn't sell these days. So all these artists are having to figure out how they're going to actually make money because no one's actually buying music anymore and Spotify pays pennies. Uh, okay, so they're having to diversify. A bit. Yeah, that makes sense. you have to diversify. I mean, if you look at it, every single female celebrity that you can think of has some sort of makeup line. Although yeah, I'm still hardcore Fenty Same. all the way. 
<laughs> Fenty, 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 ride or die. Fenty till the end. She, she's everything. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Yeah. Oh, I want to plug your newsletter. Oh yes, I was gonna bring that up at some point. I think you should. So you know yeah. the reason why Jeeves. She's very humble. We know what we talked about how women are, you know, made to feel like they have to be humble, but we have to be self-promotional at this point. We have to live (laughs) what we're lecturing. And when I say we, I mean Jeeves and I. I'm not talking about the royal we. Like we are, you know, we have to back up what we said before, right? True, yeah. Jeeves has an excellent newsletter that she produces every week. That's very kind of you to say. What what does your newsletter talk about? It covers... Tech, science, psychology sometimes, uh, basically just topics I'm interested in and hopefully I can teach you something new every week. Yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes so you can sign up. Um, I have another podcast that I do called the Looms and Me podcast. So just search for Looms on any platform where you consume your podcast. And there, it's just a solo one, so I don't get to do it with with my pal. It's just me. But if you're into that sort of thing, if you enjoy self-development, and self-betterment. I call it realistic self-betterment because, you know, no one's going to, we're not perfect and we shouldn't strive to be, but there are ways in which we can take from the best and learn and improve. And I'm on a journey to just be just the best version of myself that I have the energy to put out into the world that day. Big fan, obviously. And by listening, you get all the benefits of being her friend which I am a bit conflicted about you know I thought that it was just me that was getting her wisdom and like a select few and now you know it's available to all of you as well so uh, I'll get over it but yeah I feel like everyone's tired of me telling them what to do but if you (laughs) are into that sort of thing again yeah go and check it out it's like it's it's snippets that's very that's very sweet thank you that takes us nicely onto uh, the final point we wanted to make, which was we want to hear from you. Yes. Um, everything that we talk, we're talking about today, like we said before, we are not experts <laughs> by any means. We're just two millennials who are just trying to make this thing called life work. And we're doing the best that we can. So if you know anything more about anything we've talked about today, or if you want to share your own thoughts or opinions on anything that's happened today, or even if you see something that you think is really interesting and cool, and you think that the world should hear about it as the week progresses, uh, we've left, left all our details in the show notes, drop us an email, drop us a note, send in your dilemmas. And then yeah. we can be like, we could be your aunties if you want. We could be whatever it is that you guys want us to be because this is our podcast and it's the first ever episode and we're just really excited to be here. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you for listening. And yeah, please do get in touch. Let us know what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, why you think the metaverse is great. I'm open. So yeah she's begrudgingly open but she is open and yeah maybe we can even get if you know something about the metaverse and you want to talk about it more maybe come come on and join us but <laughs> well baby steps let's just yeah all right well then see you next week Jeeves. bye for now <laughs> okay let's go have brunch now <laughs>